We're now at week, I think it's week five in our stewardship series. I hope you know the goal of this stewardship series by now. The goal is to help us understand and to own our God-given mandate to steward well those things that God has given us to care for. So we've looked at the matter of work. We're looking at the matter of the mind and the body, beginning of life, end of life, climate, the earth. And today, we're looking at rest. In caring, some of you, there's a little murmur there, like, oh good, it's like I'm giving a, you know, giving a break, sort of permission to have a rest or something like that. That was funny. In caring... In caring for the life God gave us, one thing we have to address is rest. Let me encourage you. Rest is more than a luxury. It's a biblical command. Some of you are going to use that wickedly this week. (laughs) One American writer or actress said, if you rest, you rust. Virgin Media's 2021 advert used the line, faster brings us closer. They used a previous one, faster, faster, faster. You might remember that on the side of their vans. I saw a website this week, because I was looking into this, which was for the over 50s. That very select and special group of people. <laughs> and it was, its strap line was this, discover more, rest less. It says it's the UK's fastest growing digital community for the over 50s. When I was in secondary school, which is 40 years ago now, when I was in secondary school, the expectation was that in my working lifetime, there would be so much more leisure time, so much more rest. The expectation was that technology, efficiency, and that ever advancing thing called the human race would mean that we'd have to do less, be much more efficient, much more time to relax. However, according to the independent newspaper in 2018, millions of Brits are overwhelmed by mounting work pressures, busy social calendars, and financial worries. Research had revealed that two-thirds of people, if that's correct, that's two out of every three of you, two-thirds felt a constant sense of dread caused by the stress of their day-to-day lives. Relating to work, but you add into that parenting, social life, what's happening with the economy, church life pressures and so on, that's how people are feeling. Let me ask you, Are you resting well? Even when you're busy, is your soul at rest? Or perhaps you're pretty close to burnout. One scientist likens burnout to, you know, when you've worked on your computer and you've got so many windows open that it's all slowing down. My laptop did that for a while last year. It just had a whole phase of time where there were so many windows open, it just, had, it just wouldn't do anything. I had to do control, alt, delete, and manage the tasks and all that sort of thing. Maybe you're a little bit like that. As you steward 
the life God has given you, how are you dealing with rest? Here's a definition of rest. Cambridge Dictionary says it's to cause someone or something to stop doing a particular activity or stop being active for a time in order to relax and get your strength back. And in the Christian understanding of things, rest, of course, is not only enjoying the absence of work, but enjoying the presence of God. Rest is not just me time, it's God time. It's not only physically stopping, it's spiritually trusting. Let's have a look at God resting. Genesis chapter 1, here's the last verse of chapter 1, which sums up the creation that's just been happening. God saw all that he had made, and it was very good. And there was evening, and there was morning, the sixth day. Thus, chapter 2, verse 1, thus the heavens and the earth were completed in all their vast array. By the seventh day, God had finished the work he had been doing, so on the seventh day, he rested from all his work. Then God blessed the seventh day and made it holy because on it he rested from all the work of creating that he had done. When I read that this week, <laughs> I thought it was a very interesting idea. I know there's some poetic language in this account, but it's a very interesting idea. The idea of God working and the idea of God resting. I've not really clocked it before, but I thought it was fascinating. Because his work didn't mean that he was depleted or tired or worn out. God, God is never less than he always is, was, and will be. He didn't need to rest in order to recover. It's like six days. Man, that was hard work. He says amongst the Trinity, oh, I deserve a holiday. That's not what's going on there. What is going on with God resting? Well, at least three things are going on. Firstly, simply, he'd finished his work of creating. He'd been working, he'd been creating, so he'd finished, he'd stopped. He ceased from it. Not, of course, that God hasn't been working ever since. Jesus said, my father is always at his work to this very day. He's sustaining and upholding the universe. We know God, as it were, is working. He just finished his work. Number two, what's this thing about God resting? Well, he blessed the seventh day and made it holy. Now, it's all holy, isn't it? Everything God does, everything he is, everything he creates, every work of his is holy. But something about this rest was specially devoted to God in a way that made it distinct from the other days. He set it apart from the other days. So he'd finished his work, and he set it apart. But he was also, thirdly, establishing a rhythm that is later commanded in the Old Testament. As you read on in the Old Testament, you find this thing called the Sabbath, Hebrew Shabbat. It's the same word as rest here in Genesis chapter 2. It means to cease, to stop, to desist from labor. What God had been doing, six days working, one day he stopped, rested, 
he sets as a pattern for Israel in the Old Testament. So when you get the Ten Commandments given, you find this is written. Remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work, neither you nor your son or daughter, nor your male or female servant, nor your animals, nor any resident residing in your towns. For, going back to the creation days, for in six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth, the sea and all that is in them, but he rested on the seventh day. Therefore, because of all of that, here's a pattern for you. Therefore, the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. Now, this morning isn't a call to Sabbath. It's a call to the principle of rest. So Israel was to rest every seventh day on that creation pattern. It was a day of physical rest. On it, you shall not do any work. But it was also a day of obedience, a day of dedication, a day set apart from the other days for focused devotion to the Lord, remembering what he'd done, recognizing and remembering God is God. That's how we're to live. And that rhythm was built into other rhythms of life in the Old Testament. Every seventh year, the land got a rest. Every seventh seven or every 50th year, everyone got a rest. Everything was reset in the year of Jubilee. So rest is woven into the fabric of creation and the way that mankind is designed to function well, which is so inefficient. If you were to add a weekly day off Sabbath of 24 hours to seven hours sleeping every night in that week, 43.5% of your life would be doing nothing, be totally unproductive, 29% of which is unconscious. What is God doing? Creating almost 50% unproductive, inefficient people. What is he doing? But both studies, we'll get to that, both studies... And general experience shows that we are fools if we don't follow the pattern of what he has set up. One writer said this, if you go against the grain of the universe, you get splinters. It's very true in the matter of rest. Just as God worked and rested, so we, made in his image, are designed to work and to rest. For our physical, our emotional, our mental, our spiritual, our relational well-being. Now, some of you are delighted to hear this. You've been saying to someone, I need a rest. And this is justification for you. Others of you are fighting inside a bit. Some of you want to say this to me, but Tim, you do not understand just how busy I am. You know those conversations you have with people? And uh, you say, say, oh, hi, Stuart, how are you doing? And uh, how long does it take before a certain four-letter word gets in there? Busy. 
How are you doing? Yeah, it's been fine. How's work going? Oh, man, so busy. There's so much going on. In those types of situations in the last few weeks, how often, I wonder, has busy got in your sentence? No doubt, regularly. This writer says this. He says, I read an anecdote once about a woman from another culture who came to the United States and began to introduce herself as busy. It was, after all, here's the reason, it was, after all, the first thing she heard when meeting any American. Hello, I'm busy. She figured it was part of our traditional greeting, so she told everyone she met that's who she was. <laughs> Fantastic. And you're right. I don't know how busy you are. I don't know the pressures you're under. I don't know all the demands you're facing. But here's a thought. What if busy, being busy, isn't necessarily the problem? What if busy isn't necessarily the enemy of rest? In fact, if you love God and you love people, you will be busy. If you have work, if you have children, if you hold responsibilities of any kind, you will feel busy. The goal of life is not perpetual ease and rest and pleasure and so on. And for those who feel tired, anybody? You're too asleep to <laughs> register. For any of you feel, feeling tired isn't necessarily wrong especially for certain periods of time. Think of a parent with young children. Think of teachers at exam time. Think of builders or students with a deadline. Jesus knows what it is to be busy. Jesus knows what it is to be tired. Being busy and being tired isn't necessarily a sin. Jesus knows busy. Mark chapter 6, because so many people were coming and going, do you feel like that? So many people were coming and going that they didn't even have a chance to eat. Jesus was so busy at this point that he didn't have time to eat. I haven't been that busy. I always make sure I eat. He's busier here than I've ever been. He said to them, come with me by yourselves to a quiet place and get some rest. Get away from all the madness. There's so many people, there's so many demands. Get away. So what is the too busy to rest problem? Being busy is not necessarily the problem. Being tired is not necessarily a problem. Let me give you seven problems. Well, it really is a problem. The problem is when busy isn't balanced by rest. God blessed mankind and set us to work. He blessed the Sabbath and set us to rest. His days of work he called good. His day of rest he made holy. God set up a work-rest balance. Busy is a problem when it's not balanced by rest. Here's what I conclude from the seven days of creation there. Rest is as good and as godly as work. Some of you need to hear that. 
Some of you are obsessed with work. Some of you are addicted. We'll get to that. But you all need to hear this. Rest is as good and as godly as work. The six days were good, very good. This day he made holy and set it apart. The problem is when busy isn't balanced by rest. The problem is when busy, secondly, has no boundaries or limits. When I rest, I impose a boundary. When I rest, I accept my limits. Resting, stopping, sleeping are our way of saying to God, I trust you and leave it with you. It's our way of saying to others, you don't need me. I'm not God, I'm not your saviour, there is one who can meet your needs. It's a way of saying to ourselves, I accept my limits. The problem is when busy becomes an addiction. Most people won't accept that they're addicted even if they are. The courageous ones will. You might say, how do I know if I'm addicted? Well, try stop doing what you think you might be addicted to and see if you can stop. If you cannot stop, you are addicted. Most people will say, I'm not addicted to my screen, to my phone. Let me give you a little test. Go and put it aside for two hours and see how twitchy you get. If you can't leave it, you're probably addicted. The problem is, when busy is rooted in greed or people-pleasing or anxiety or avoidance of other good things. The problem is when busyness is rooted in a desperate desire to justify my existence through the output of my labor. Some people find it so hard not to be productive. That can be a real problem. The problem is when busy leads to dysfunctional relationships with those you love. The problem is when busy becomes a badge of pride or worth. What if I bump into you after this meeting and you say, oh, hi, Tim, how's your week been? And if I say to you, it's been really calm. It's been really chilled. I've been really relaxed this week. I've been able to rest a lot. I've not really been that busy at all. I wonder how you'd feel. I wonder if you'd feel, I want my money back. <laughs> I, wa I wonder if you'd feel, God, I wish I was a pastor. I wonder if you'd feel jealous. I wonder if you'd be suspicious of, am I bothering or not? I wonder how I would feel. I wonder if I would be courageous enough to say, I've had a really restful week. How was yours? Does that tell us something? And hurry, busyness, distraction, always being... By the way, let me just go back there, because we all do this. Busy is a problem when it's a badge of honor. If you're really busy, how's your week been? Really busy. Fine, great. Next time you're not busy, I dare you. I dare you to see if you are able to say, 
It's been pretty easy this week. And hurry and busyness and distraction and always being on the go makes spiritual life so difficult to foster because it squeezes God out. Walter Adams, who was the mentor to C.S. Lewis, said this, to walk with God is to walk slowly. It's to walk with a slow, unhurried pace. He said, hurry is the death of prayer. And of course, one modern enemy of rest is digital busyness, including that modern danger of blurring the boundaries of rest and work. So we stop sometimes, but we don't rest. These little devices, which I have and I use, I'm sure are rewiring my brain to only be able to take snippets and not to think deeply. I'm sure they're rewiring me not to be able to sit and just be. Because there's always more information. There's always something to check about. There's always the cricket scores to find out, as you know. There's always something to be looking for. So what to do? What to do? Number one, this is really deep. Know yourself. Know yourself. Know yourself. Be honest. Please be honest. Which of those seven too busy to rest problems is yours? Is busyness a badge? Is busyness avoidance of other things? Is busyness become an addiction? You cannot rest. And know what rest looks like, be honest with yourself, be, know what rest looks like in your world, in your life. Not in someone else's life, or rest should look like that. No, what does it look like for you? You see, rest and getting refreshed looks different for different people. For someone, it might be an evening in front of the TV. For another, it might be a really tough workout at the gym. For someone, it might be reading or taking a walk that refreshes someone, but for others, a book? What's, I, what's a book? It might be completely different. I would simply say this, know yourself. Ask yourself, what refreshes me? If you say, I have no idea, you really need to find out because you're commanded to rest. It's not a luxury, it's a command. We're designed that way. Know what refreshes you. Secondly, be more courageous. You know, when we usually talk about courage, courage is usually a call to do something, isn't it? I'd say be more courageous to not do something sometimes. You know that story about Jesus that I just read? He said, he said they were so busy they couldn't even eat. Come on, boys, get away from it all. There's a fascinating context to that. He's just sent out the 12, two by two, to go and heal, cast out demons, raise the dead, do whatever remarkable stuff they were doing, which comes just after Jesus has been healing many people, right? So here's how the sequence goes. Jesus is unbelievably successful. The disciples have come back amazed at what they're doing. Jesus has sent them out to do these things as he's been doing, and they come back and they find, my goodness, we, we can do the things he was doing. So many people are gathering around. What would be your instinct then? Things are going so well. This is like a peak. We've never had it so good. 
Jesus says, let's get away. Sometimes being courageous means stopping, not doing. Courageous enough to confront your fear of missing out. Courageous enough to decline that opportunity. Courageous enough to say no to your boss. Courageous enough to leave some things undone by practicing what one person called planned neglect. The deliberate leaving of some things in order to do the better thing. Mary and Martha comes to mind. Tuesday this week, Tuesday afternoon, is my time to start planning for what I'm going to say on Sunday. I sat down, I was so dozy, I think I may even have fallen asleep. I was just not with it at all. And so I quit on Tuesday afternoon. I didn't quit my job, so I don't worry. I, I quit, I quit, I quit preparing. It got to seven o'clock and I thought I really should get some prep done. But I was so dozy. My head was, I don't know what was going on. I just wasn't there at all. Do you know what I did? I did nothing. Do you know what? That was a conscious and, may I say, slightly courageous decision. Because it meant that I basically lost a day of preparing this. Sometimes you courageously need to say no. Third, know yourself. Be more courageous. Thirdly, this will send you in a spin if you dare try it. <laughs> Do some deliberately slow things. And see how you feel, which probably won't be very rested, at least at first. Here's some ideas. Take the slow lane. <laughs> You're really struggling, aren't you? The Lord is speaking to you. He says this week, take the slow lane. Here's one. Join the longest queue. It's just so funny. I was in London. We were in London visiting my son yesterday, my oldest son who lives in London. And uh, we were out and about. We went into a shop to buy something, just to, something to eat. And it took about, I don't know, three minutes of waiting. And he was really irritated. <laughs> He's a London lad now, so it just life is always on the go. I was getting irritated as well. Three minutes. I mean, come on. Try this this week. When you're waiting for something or someone, stay off your phone. Isn't that a weird way of life? It's like my brain does not know what to do. That's what it does. When you're waiting this week, just sit. Stay off your phone. When you're going a short distance this week, walk instead of driving. I've got a little practice that I've tried to develop. I'm partially being successful. Every day, I try and have 15 minutes when I do nothing. <laughs> Let me tell you, it's weird. No phone, no talking to anyone, no getting my lunch. No, that's doing lunch. Just sitting. Somebody here, try it. Try it for a month. It'll feel very weird. 
One writer talks about, about becoming velocitized. Life is going at a greater and greater velocity. You can't rest in that kind of environment. You might stop, but your mind won't rest. Your heart won't st steady. In a world addicted to speed, he says, slowness is a superpower. Here's what I'd like us to do. I've got a little bit more to come. The best bit, I've got to come in a minute. Let me say this. Some of us need to repent. Some of us need to be honest and say it was that too busy to rest thing that I'm struggling with. Some of us need to take a decision and say, right, enough of this relentless nonsense that's getting me nowhere. I'm commanded to rest. It's built into the universe to rest. I need to take a rest. Daily, weekly, yearly. Maybe you could just, I don't know, close your eyes. It just helps you think and concentrate. Do you need to repent? What's your decision? This could be really releasing for some of you. Repenting is, Lord, I'm really sorry that I've been doing such and such. I know it's wrong. I receive forgiveness. Help me go a new way. Okay, and we're going to get a chance to respond quickly at the end. But let me wrap up with this. Jesus is our true rest. See, I've saved, I've saved the best for last because we know that everything finds its fulfillment in Jesus and all Old Testament themes wind their way to Jesus. So it is with the Sabbath, with the principle of rest because it's in Jesus that our souls find their true rest. The goal isn't just a healthy work-rest balance. It's to find our peace and our joy and our rest in Jesus. You could be the most rested person of all and far from God. What's the point of that? Find your rest in Jesus. Come to me, he said, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Rest for your souls. Rest in the daily hubbub, but in particular, he means rest from laboring and striving to justify ourselves and gain righteousness by ourselves and to rest and say, Lord, you are the Savior. I trust you for my salvation. I quit trying to be good. I quit just trying to be better so that you're pleased with me. I rest in Jesus. Hebrews chapter 4 talks about that. And then... One step even better. Notice something back in Genesis, and we'll finish with this. The record of each of the six days of creation includes these words, as you probably know. And there was evening, and there was morning. The first day, the second day, and so on. But there is no such ending to the seventh day. Because God's rest, which we enter into through Christ, has no end, which is where all this is heading. If you are in Christ, yours is the privilege of resting in Jesus.
And one day, you will rest fully and completely and wonderfully and perfectly, which all this is heading towards with him, face to face, in his presence, the absence of striving, lots to do because you're not just going to sit around in heaven, but with perfect rest in your souls. Is that a great gospel or what? Thank you, Jesus. You are a wonderful Savior. We're going to sing one song, and then I'm going to come back and get us to respond. Let's stand.